Hello, everyone, and welcome back, finally, to another episode of Canon Side Chats. It's been quite a while since since we were together. Uh, you know, a lot of football's going on. Uh, apologies for the wait. We got kind of busy, but hopefully we're back on a consistent basis. I will do a podcast every week by myself if I have to. I'm I'm getting committed now. So, yeah, but don't have to do that today. Luckily, I'm joined by Bex. Bex, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. You know, life comes at you sometimes. You're a little too busy to do a little pod, but we're back at it. Well, not too busy to watch the Arsenal, that's for sure. We've been yes. watching not just the Arsenal, a whole lot of football since we last recorded, including the World Cup. Real quick, just to get into it, Beckett, do you have any good fond memories of the World Cup? What's your favorite moment? Um, Probably the ending, the last day of some of the group play, man. It was just back and forth and back and forth. It was Teams were up and down. It was a pretty good uh, year for like last-minute finishes to decide who moves on to the next round. Um, and you had some smaller teams push some bigger teams out. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, none of my bets ended up paying out, but, you know, you can't have it all. Right. Not a good World Cup for betting, that's for sure. As you said, a lot of smaller teams pushing around, throwing their weight around. Honestly, I thought it was it was a pretty, pretty good World Cup. One of the better ones I can remember. I mean, almost every single game was interesting. Um, a lot of good performances, including from the Arsenal boys that were there. I mean, Saka showed out, showed why he deserves that starting spot in England. Uh, Matt Turner, I think, I don't want to say proved some Arsenal haters wrong, but definitely showed his worth and showed why Arsenal went after him. A few of you guys didn't get a chance. Jesus gets injured. Martinelli played a few. Saliba. Tomiyasu, I thought, was... So, yeah, I was, I, I was going to leave Ben White out till the end. <laughs> Shout out Ben White, though. He just couldn't wait to get back to the, to the squad. Yeah, Shout just wanted to be White. back with the boys. Yeah. Tomiyasu, I think, he played less of a role in Japan. He was still carrying his injury a little bit. Um, right, right. I think he was integral in their success, though, because he offers so much fluidity. He could, they can make halftime change back three. He can play wing back. Saliba didn't get much of a chance either. Last but not least, the man who potentially gave me my, I don't want to say top moment, but definitely one of the most enjoyables is Grand Xhaka, just throwing the bird at Serbia, the Albanian bird, grabbing his nuts, you know, flexing on him. I love that. Put him in their place, Xhaka. Anytime it's not for Arsenal and you're not getting carded there, I'm good with it. So, yeah, good, good World Cup. And then we came back hot with West Ham. What what were your your thoughts about the West Ham game? Uh, Well, I mean, it. I feel like we always have our way with West Ham a little bit. Um, so coming off of it, of course, you have a month to worry about it. But, I mean, I don't think it was too big of a fuss in the end. Obviously, we played pretty well, but they got still got the goal. And then, um, yeah, in the end, it proves we're as good as we think you are, and we just handled them. Yeah, right. Were you uh... – so obviously that's going to be our first game without – Jesus, was that was that a worry for you at all going into it? Um, not really. And I think for me, it was because I think Eddie did enough last season, and last season's team isn't as good as this season's team. So you put him, he maybe hadn't shown all of his qualities when he got his chances with the reserves, but when you put him with this new starting 11 that we have, well, 10, because no Jesus, but 
you put them with those guys who are all in great form playing the season of their careers so far and what's going to do he has no choice but to score that's what he's known for just get him in the right position everybody else will find him so that's kind of my thoughts uh going into that game right obviously i have a uh a fond memory of this game having it or being my first first arsenal premier league game in attendance um must say i i used to look fondly upon west ham but after my experiences with their fans, I fucking hate them. Fuck that team. Not really. I, I hate a lot of teams way more than that. But but it was, uh, let's just say they were really confident after that penalty. Uh, extremely confident. And it was, it was a good feeling to just put them back in their place. Get on the train. See you later. Go cry. But yeah, speaking of that, that penalty, do you, do you have your thoughts on that? Obviously, I... I didn't have a good look at it because I'm at the game. There's no instant replay, but watching it back, ooh, that is soft. It was that pretty is, soft. That is I baby mean, ass soft. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty soft. But I, so, I mean, I guess that's part of the whole mentality change of the team this year. And maybe that meta- the mentality change of the team is also the mentality change for fans because I, at no point was I worried after that pen that we weren't going to still get a result. Um, I think I was watching with Brady, I think, and um, they got the pen scored. And he's like, uh-oh, we're like, no, dude, we're going to go probably score at least two second half the rest of this game and still win it. So Maybe that's just this team, you know, coming off on you as well. Whereas in the past two, three years, if we got scored on it, that was over. Like, well, we yeah. lost. We're done. Yeah. But the heart and the ability to to fashion chances consistently is, has been really uh really welcome obviously um and fashion chances we did in the second half my goodness three really really nice goals well i don't want to say bukayo saka's goal is really nice because it comes off of a a mishit from odegaard but you got to be there jaka does well to bring so fall back keep him on and saka man he's making a habit out of taking people's airs and and making them good Following that up, Martinelli too hesitates to fall. Sufal got roasted that yeah. game. Fabianski didn't do too well, but you gotta put it on net, you gotta shoot. Surprised he didn't do the basketball shot celebration because he's a shooter as well. But then yeah, finally to, to cap it off, that just talk about that Eddie goal for a minute. Oh my goodness, that was nice. The whole entire sequence was very nice to see. That's a goal scorer's goal. Feels the defender, rolls him and then doesn't have to look at where he wants the shot to go. He just, that's an instinctual shot. You just put it right in the corner, doesn't hit it, overcompensate, overhit it, just rolls it. Yeah, firm, um, firm. Yeah, firm roll, to be fair. But yes, yeah, he, uh, that is what you're hoping he brings more of, and he's shown he's capable of adding some more of that. It's not to mention the Ben White little flick over Ben Rama, too. That's very nice. Very yeah. sexy. Comes off a missed touch, but doesn't matter. Later in that game, too, Ben Rama got a little, a little uh, confident and tried to scissor out from the top of his box, and Odegaard was inches from making him pay for it with a curler. But yeah, incredible second half showing. You got to shout out Arsene Wenger too. He's in attendance. The boys put on for him. You love to see that. Love to see him back as well. Um, just because, pretty much my whole entire Arsenal fan career revolved around Wenger being the manager. Uh, 
until 2018, obviously. So it was just crazy to even be in the same building as him. He's that big of a sporting idol for me. So that was great. TT was there too. Um, I mean, the whole squad was there. Rebecca Lowe, Tim Howard, everyone. So they all showed up for you. Yeah, that's right. They knew I was coming. Shout out everyone. Um, but yeah. So West Ham done dusted three one. We move on to Brighton, which we easy watch together. Nice old New Year's Eve fixture. What were your thoughts going into Brighton? If you can remember back that far, Brighton always plays us tough games. So it's a little more nervous going into Brighton than I was going up against West Ham. But I wouldn't. I I wouldn't say I was like actually nervous. Um. Because they've lost their coach. They hadn't gotten many results under their new coach. Um, so I wasn't really nervous, too nervous about it. Um, I don't remember a ton of this game, to be completely honest, because of the day it was. But uh, I do remember some of the goals. Well, I'm sure that the team put your nerves aside right quick because we scored within the first, first three minutes of the game. Uh, Martinelli again having a shot and Saka just calm as can be takes it passes it in incredible start perfect and not too long after that Odegaard bangs one home as well that Ozil bounce off the off the corner kick so really really did well to quell your nerves I think we controlled the game for the most part the whole first half even come out second half and Eddie gets that off the Martinelli shot again go up 3-0, and then we kind of stuttered a bit. And we let Matomo, who we might talk about in a little bit later, let him get in, get one. We answered right back with possibly the assistant season from, from Odegaard. I mean, incredible. Saka's probably having a word with Martinelli, like we talked about, if he doesn't mm-hmm. score that. Because Saka is absolutely wide open. But I think he's he's within his right to shoot that just because of how incredible that assist was. I mean, takes the whole entire defense out of the picture within seconds. What were your thoughts on that being a lefty yourself? I was, uh, he takes one quick glance up, look up as the ball's coming, and then uh, just inch perfect, man. It couldn't have been a better pass. Uh, just hooks it around the corner, straight through the gap, rolls straight into Martinelli's path. Uh, it was a beautiful ball. That's one of the best passes you're going to see. Talking about how good the ball was, Martinelli still had a lot to do with that. I mean, he had 60 yards to sprint, and Lamptey's not a slouch. He's no joke, but he was nowhere near catching up to Martinelli. He was absolutely gone as soon as that ball was hit. Um, and you mentioned taking up that little glance up. The the understanding there, and we'll talk about it on the other side of Saka, but the understanding there, as soon as he takes that look up and the ball's coming in, Martinelli's gone. He knows immediately what's happening. What's about to what's about to go down, which is is really, really encouraging for the future. Again, I don't want to dwell on it too much because they've been immaculate, especially coming off the North London Derby. Uh but the second goal, man, just not not a pretty one. Not a pretty one for Saliba or Ramsdale. Yeah. Yep four one. Um you kind of have a little bit of a turn off switch off in your brain 
and uh, you just lose sight of something, and next thing you know, there's a there's a goal. But as I said to your girlfriend, who was extremely worried when they got it, I'm not worried. There's we're winning this game. We're winning this game. There's no way that we would ever concede four goals, right? You've already conceded a, a second goal that was pretty bad, and you've let had your mistake. I was confident. Well, we didn't concede four, but we almost conceded three within the, the dying moments of the game. I think it is a it's a harsh offsides call for sure. Um, Arsenal definitely switched off again on that throw and on that set piece, and I think it's it's really harsh on our poor Matomo. Uh, not to get credit for that because it was it was really really well worked, uh, but we'll talk about offsides calls and harsh in a little bit as well. So, without further ado, talk about Newcastle real quick. Uh, not much there to talk about, just a grinder. The top three teams in the league playing against each other. Not, I think we can be happy with the draw. Is that fair? Newcastle don't concede. Yeah, but I mean, they probably should have. We had two questionable calls right that they they could have called but um no i mean newcastles they were never interested in playing that game even remotely it did i don't i i just don't think they even wanted like seeing us on their schedule at this point in time because they're playing well and they didn't want to ruin their momentum them getting a draw was increasing their momentum so yeah they were never interested in playing they just they defended really well. I thought their lines were great. I mean, their midfield line was very high. Defense not far behind it, but yeah, they just they were only really interested in defending on the day. Yeah, and honestly, I don't want to bring it up, especially in the light of what happened this weekend, but Arteta took the stance of taking the draw definitely as well and, and towards the end only looking for defending. We only bring one sub on that game. And it's Tomiyasu, a defensive sub in a game where you're tied nil-nil, you know, going into it. So we can read into it what we'd like, but in my opinion, that's a plea to the board saying, look at my bench. What do I have here to make a difference? Now, it's not to say that anyone really deserved to be pulled off in that game, but you'd think at nil-nil, you'd try to inject some fresh legs and pace, get something going there. And unfortunately, we just we just didn't have it on the bench. You look at the bench, who who comes on, really? Fabio Vieira? But who are you taking off? Is, is he going to be better than Odegaard? Saka, Too intense of a game for him at this point. Yeah. So, I think that's that's probably my biggest takeaway is just the one sub, just maybe trying to send a message. But I don't think that, I think that Arteta and the board and, and ownership are all on the same page. I don't think a message needs to be sent in a game. You can probably just phone him up and tell him. Um, maybe more so to the fans. Who knows? But we get the result. We move. Next up was Oxford United. Don't really want to dwell on this one too much, but uh, I think it just, my main takeaway from this is how important is Zinchenko and how important is Hardy. Uh, because before they're introduced, we, we don't have any fluidity. Can't, in Mikel's Shaka. words, dominate, control Jaka as well. But yeah, did I say party? I meant yeah. That's all right. Yeah, that was one of the most boring first half of footballs I've watched. Right. <laughs> it was that was not a good game. Um, until the subs were introduced and we started scoring some goals. Right. Yeah. But again, just the main point there is 
there. And those are the two older players in our starting 11 right now. So as high as we are and as well as things are going, that's just a sign for next two or three years. There's going to need to be some reinforcing going on in case of injury and just a contingency plan as well for afterwards. Yeah. Well, and to that point, my main takeaway from that game was that I do not believe Sambi Lakonga will be here come the summertime. So Right. Yeah. Which, that was implied with my statement about Yeah, the, yeah. The that's plan. yeah. Yeah. Um so real quick, just just introduce this as well. Do you think that it has to be a midfielder to be signed, or could it be a left back and Zinchenko can play the party role? Or not party, I'm sorry, Jaka, man. I don't know what's going on with me. Yeah, no, it's all good. No, I actually had that thought earlier today because uh, a lot of people um, will be thinking transfer market-wise, well, obviously we missed out on people and we're trying to get a winger in. And a lot of people are like, well, why aren't we bringing a center mid in? Why aren't we bringing a center mid in? We need a center mid. If party gets hurt or if Xhaka gets hurt, well, if party gets hurt, you have Mo. That's why you signed him to his extension. That's not ideal, but... Mo has proven that he can be a solid player. He's serviceable for three or four games. Yes. In if, a certain sense. If Shaka is out, you now have two options. You can do Sambi and then just play Zinchenko, and Zinchenko gives you the extra fluidity and flexibility that maybe Lakanga limits you with. Or, as you just said, I think part of your security blanket and the reason you don't need a center mid in January is because you have Zinchenko, who could just step into Shaka's role so easily. Tierney gets higher up the field, so that, that's fine. Zinchenko will just drop in instead of getting advanced like Shaka does. So I definitely think there is part of that, at least in January. You don't need an emergency player at center mid because you have at least three guys that could cover those two positions. And Fabio Vieira, if it's a weaker team, you could play him or ESR as the other guy. So I don't, I don't think that's a problem for it. Like, is not a guy who really gets super tired during games, and if you needed to make a center mid-sub, you're not like, oh, get Chaka out, get one of these guys in. You, that's why the importance is just on the wingers, because as you said, Newcastle— we're not looking to change a center mid, but how do we change that game? We change an attacker, which we, we didn't have ESR. It would have helped a lot, but. Right. Shaka is, is a walking 90 minutes. Yeah. Provided he's not on, on in the book. He, he's a walking 90 minutes. That man can, can play all day. So after Oxford, we get down to the, the nitty gritty the, this past Sunday. North London Derby, Tottenham hate day, Tottenham hate week. What do we think of Tottenham? Shit. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, thoughts going in were more or less nervous in the Brighton game because I don't, I don't think I was nervous at all going into this one. No, I, <laughs> to be honest, that the overarching theme of this first half of the season is I think this is the least anxious I've ever been going into Arsenal games. Even in North London Derby at Tottenham, I was, no. I did, at no point did I think that it, we didn't have the better chance of winning the game than they did because of the style of play. Simple as that. I've watched Spurs just get lucky for most of the first half of the season with their style of play. So I was not. Everybody's healthy except for Jesus, but Eddie's coming off goals. So 
that's the I was not anxious at all about it. Right. Yeah. Nor was I, as I said, um pretty confident. Um and we started out hot out the get uh all over, all over. Um uh, and and speaking of luck, we might get lucky in the first fourteen minutes with the soccer goal, but you make your own luck as as they say and Next thing you know, we're up one nothing thanks to Hugo Lloris, who has more goals than Richarlson now. Huh. Yeah, and because the socket goal and you create your own luck, exactly to your point, most of Tottenham's game plan relies on them getting a lucky chance because of the way they just defend. But if you watch everything that leads up to that, they they do have a chance in the first 15 minutes, but most of the first 15 minutes of the game, what you can really see is our calmness in any situation. Even when they tried to press us, you you kind it kind of looks like from a viewer standpoint, oh, we might be in a bind. What are they going to do? You should probably just kick it out. And then you just see Zinchenko stand there for a second, look around, beat a guy off the dribble, and we play through. So that is... Uh, that's a lot of why I wasn't anxious at all, because we have just been so calm in every game that, there you go, 15 minutes in. What have you always been told? First 15 First minutes, minutes of a half. Well, five minutes, but 15 minutes, 15 minutes of the half to end it. Cover your bases. Yeah, I'm... Uh... I spent the first half trying to figure out who exudes the most coolness out of all of our start. I don't know if it's Zinchenko. I mean, Saliba, Odegaard. I mean, ever. No one's worried on the ball. They're not. They know they're not going to give it away. It's just to your point too, Zinchenko. I love when he receives the ball, looks around, tries to figure out what it's going to do, waits for the guy to press, and then just touches around him and then plays a reverse pass somewhere. It exudes confidence in. Yeah, like I said, so integral to, to the way we play. Um, speaking on that goal as well, like, one thing I noticed as well, and Kulisevsky, good player. I, I really enjoy enjoyed watching him at Juve, and I don't enjoy watching him play at Tottenham, but I can respect the fact that he, he's, he's a top talent. But anytime Kulisevsky gets in behind or in around the box, where is he going? Cutting left. On to his left and trying to bang one far post. Probably four times in the game. So, like, you can kind of get used to that and, you know, push him to the end line. Whereas Saka, you can't give him either or. I mean, he, he'll take you in line and rip one across. He'll cut it back and bang it home. He, both feet, you can't, you can't give him any sort of space anymore, which is, which is awesome. Martinelli is the same, but. I mean, the two-footedness of Saka is really, really getting up there now. Well, and they're both so good off the dribble, Martinelli and Saka, that most teams, unless it's the top teams, but still, even then, most teams don't have two fullbacks that are good defenders. They're just, they have one side maybe attacking, like, Digne, for example, more attacking, sketch defender, can get into problems. Sessegnon is... Not a defender. A left He's, wing? <laughs> yeah, left wing, left mid, wing back because of his attacking abilities. And you could really sense that there was a few times in the opening minutes before this goal that 
Sokka and Ben White had a connection, drift a little bit. Sokka would pull them out, just cut inside, cut, pull them out, cut inside. And then on the goal, go over the top, deep, out of position. And he didn't know how to defend Sokka in the box. He's just standing there, backing off, backing off, backing off, backing off. I don't want to get beat. I don't want to get beat on the dribble. Yeah. Um, Love that. Love defenders on skates. Can't get enough of it. Um, we had a chance as well. Eddie missed the chance to go up one nil up on that uh Hugo Lloris exuding how do I say it? Non confidence. <laughs> I'm not sure. Shit in his pants, that's probably a better term for it. Um I think if Eddie if Eddie doesn't wait for it to come down as far as he did, he probably puts it in. Um but that's exactly- tough chance, it's on your weak foot. Granted you're at the six yard box. But uh Still tough chance, tough chance going to hold it against him. My uh, my notes for that that little section was Yoris is a bum. Yep. <laughs> and then it was um, Eddie should have scored if he does if he doesn't go low. Yeah. Like if he yeah, always he gets some sort of height on it. Yeah. If he tries to just like connect at it a foot off the ground, it's it's natural lift. So. But, you know, as you said, weak foot. Big game that might bite us in the ass. Yeah, yeah, because you need to take those chances if you can. Um, as, I, as we said, he, he was a tad bit off it on the finishing front today and on the touch. A few Aaron passes here and there, but he's been, he's been decent. We can't complain about that too much. Um, yeah, and you talked about Ben White as well. Ben White and Saka have a really good relationship out there. Um, they know when to use the overlap. Saka knows when to use the overlap to get the defender off balance and drive in. Uh, but also, Odegaard and Saka's link up over there is is incredible. It's really fun to watch them play little one-two give-and-goes through five or six players and then free up some space to swing it out through, to, through Zinchenko to the other side. Um, yeah, that's just been, been really awesome to watch as well. Um, Ramsdale, obviously, huge, massive, all day, um, making some incredible saves. But I just got to this half, right in half, halftime. You talk about talk about Hugo Lloris being a bum, man. What about freaking Pierre Emile Hoiberg, dude? That is the most laughable thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and I can't believe there's no card there. Like, how is how is there no card there? You're telling me that he got hurt and it was rolling around on the field because of that? Yeah, that was uh, that was incredible. I thought that the ref actually gave a pen at first. Um, the commentators, commentators did. did as well. They definitely said he did, and then they said VAR overturned it because that was just. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know how to describe what that. a joke! Yeah, I, it's just a joke. Like that looks like something that comes from from memes about people making fun of soccer players. Like, that is the yeah. reason why, 100%. why you get hate. That yeah. is the it's reason like why you get hate. You have, it's when you have a friend, you have, you have two friends, and one of them kneels down behind the, behind the other one that's standing up, and then you push him over him. He didn't need to get pushed. He just He just fell on. Yeah, yeah, absolute minimal contact. The ball is probably already out of bounds. I mean, it's such a horrendous shot. He, probably, yeah. he might have just been rolling around in embarrassment at the Valley, to be fair. Especially after what his uh, his counterpart in the Arsenal team did not 
20 minutes before that in Thomas party also inches away from the goal of the season. I mean, absolutely peppered the post from about that deserved to be a goal. It did deserve to be a goal. And I thought it was a goal and I yelled, I mean, absolute piss missile. That was when, um, Peacock was still in between their commentators. And, uh, I forgot who the other guys, what their names are, but they're NBC commentators anyway. But, um, <laughs> the one guy, whoever was the uh, the actual analyst, you could hear him behind the other commentator. He's like, "Oh my word!" Yeah. And he's just like that ball so was excited. Still going up. That ball is yeah. still going up when it hit the post. Incredible. That had some heat on it. Incredible. Um. Anyway, back to to Hoiberg. Um, and we'll talk about Richarlison as well in a second, but. Richarlson saying that Martinelli was going down easy is just laughable when you've got your teammate doing something like that. Like, oh, yeah. What ground do you have to stand on with that statement? When I don't think I don't think Richarlison had a ground to stand on at all by the time he was making statements after yeah. the game. Yeah, yeah, just tuck, put your hood on, and get it, get get on the bus, mate. Yeah, don't be talking to anyone. He was a sly little bastard too, smiling the whole time. In, in his little apology, it's like, fuck you. What a twat. Yeah, I can't, can't say that enough about Richarlison. Absolutely hate that dude. Um, Romero, mid as well, man. Mid defender. Probably should have had a red. He, I think he accumulated about five fouls. Well, so he, I, he had three fouls before he got his yellow card, which was a, not a great tackle. Not saying that was a red card-worthy tackle, but that wasn't a great ha- Tackle and definitely deserved a yellow. And then he had at least two or three more after that. I know he fouled Odegaard right at the top of the box. Um, he had the foul on Granite where he came in hot. He didn't get a lot of Granite. I think he got his plant foot more and just like hit the toes, but he came in pretty hot for a guy on a yellow card. On a yellow, yeah. Yeah, anyway, mid, I'm not having any of this Spurs shit talking about, oh, best center back in the league. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, love his reactions, too. He did not like Martinello's backpedal. Oh, no. Yeah, well, why don't you get closer to him, you dipshit? Mm -hmm. He won't do it. I loved it. I digress. I loved it as well. Why not, man? No one's within 20 yards of you. Why not? I don't mind it one bit. I thought the Richarlson uh, ice-colding Martinelli on the corner kick was uh, was funny too, which I'm not going to hold that too much against him because... That's hilarious. It is hilarious, but like in the middle of the game, I don't know how I would react as well if someone from the opposite team... No, it's hilarious from Martinelli to even oh, offer Just it. do it. Yeah, <laughs> to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. When we're up 2-0 and you're pissed. Um, you see the clip doing the rounds of him slapping Tomiyasu's hand because he's trying to talk shit to whoever's giving the throw in. Eddie, maybe. It's like, wh- what was this guy on, man? He's just, he's just pissed. He's probably not on the field, but still, dude, who, who are you? Score man scores three goals at the World Cup and thinks he's the reincarnation of Pele. I don't get it. What I do get is that we are, we're living rent free in Spurs heads. Just rent free. Living. Oh yeah, I'll take that, and I'll take a uh, I'll take a two nil dub. Always a clean sheet. 
I know it's not a one nil dub that gets me rock hard. Two nil dubs get me fully torqued though. So <laughs> we'll take it. We will take it. Um You never talked about Odegaard's goal. Yeah, I did not talk about Odegaard's goal. You're right. Um I mean, what what can you say? What can you say? You can't let it that's like that's like letting letting Ray Allen just tee up from the top of the key though. No one on him. You know what I mean? Just catch and shoot. Yeah. Party got that out of his feet really nicely. Yeah. Because um, he was pressured in the midfield. Um, but that comes from Yoris again being a bum. Yeah. <laughs> he gets the ball and he like looks around. He's like, who am I supposed to play this to? And then he just hoofs it up the field to no one. Yes, um, I, uh, I yeah, listened so- to Berbatov and Wrighty talk about that. And Berbatov was so critical. It's like, as a forward, I hate that. What the hell am I supposed to do with it? Just flick it on. Everyone's out of position now, and we just gave the ball away. Like, what? What the hell is that? Um, and Righty was like, "Hell no! I wasn't big enough for that. Like, why would yeah. I want that?" Yeah. Um, Spurs do that all the time, though. I mean, they've got Harry Kane. I don't know if Harry Kane won a like fifty-fifty ball off a goal kick clearance, like any of that. Almost the whole game. Did you see Maybe. late in the game? Gabriel give Harry Kane a taste of his own medicine with the yeah. Act, like I'm gonna go up and I'm just gonna duck out of it and let you yeah. run me over. Fuck him. Yeah, but I uh I do think that criticizing Yoris a ton for the actual Odegaard goal is I'm not having a lot of it because I think that was just a really good strike. But I saw a lot of some blame being put on him, which I don't really care about it, but. I just don't want to take away from Martin Odegaard's strike. Right. I think that he could do better with it. Um, I saw a lot of hate as well and heard a lot of hate, but Tim Howard was a, not very fond of it. Yeah. Yeah. But he, like, if you watch it, there's an angle from behind that he takes a step because he thinks Odegaard's going far post, and Romero's just, like, right in line with everything. And then he just cut it back near pose but i mean the finish you're you're almost 30 out and you roll on it into the corner so that was beautiful right brilliant strike all credit to odegaard you got to put it on target um but to to be fair to to loris romero's got a step i mean he just holds his ground in yeah he just he just holds his ground in the box and then just turns away like he's gonna like it's just gonna hit him yeah. Someone's got a step there. I don't. I mean, but we'll take free free shots on target. We'll take it. Yep. Um, yeah. Moving on. It's unfortunate that we have to talk about it post game. Um, but what what do you make of all the antics going on after the whistle? It's just Richarlison continuing to be an idiot, and then getting up in Ramsdale's face. I, what is that going to do but incite their fans who are already upset because they just lost 2-0? And they're already upset because the goalie they've been giving shit to the whole game had a great game and kisses the badge? I, like, I don't understand how that's even a problem for Richarlison to just kiss the badge. But, you know, what, what else should we do? Should, after we score goals, should we run over to our head coach and do a dance celebration on the sideline with them like Richarlison did in the World Cup? It. Yeah, like, 
you can't be someone that wants to give all the shit in the world and then you can't take any of it back. So I, it's I wouldn't expect anything less from the fucking chicken shits. Yeah, right. No, you're 100 percent right. You can't you can't go. Who is that against Korea too? Maybe. Um, you can't go and and do something like that. And I'm not a celebration police. Like I'm like you said, I'm fine with you rubbing it in someone's face when you're shitting on them. Like as a professional sportsman, do better. Like you don't don't bring your feelings into it like that. Um, but like you said, you can't do that shit on a regular basis and then get pissed when it gets sent right back in your face. Like that's that's part of the fucking game, dude. Ramsdale sat there and got heckled for ninety minutes, and and all it takes is a freaking kiss in the badge. Like what what is what the hell, dude? Yeah, yeah, baby, song. I don't get it. Yeah, Richarlson, like, that's not fighting for the badge either. Like, you going up and getting in his face because he's talking to the fans. Like, do your job on the pitch, dude, like, during the game. Um, yeah, unfortunate. That Spurs fan's an idiot. Don't even talk about it. What a dumbass. You're a moron, though, because he he tries to run away acting like he's actually going to get away with it when there's yeah. just cameras everywhere. Hey, have you seen his face, like, 50 million times by now? There's a camera that just follows him the entire way up the crowd and into his seat where he thinks he's hidden to sit down. What just people are morons. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's the fact. But like, if you're gonna do that, dude, you might as well get a full on like make some contact. You know what I mean? Like, that didn't even hurt Ramsdale. Yeah, if you if you're gonna do that, and I'm not saying like anyone should ever do it, but you would think you'd want to get your money's worth. You know what I mean? Like we talk about it with red cards, man. Like I'm tired of these soft ass red cards where you barely tap their fucking head and you get a like go and fucking clean someone out. Same shit there. I'm not saying you should do it to Ramsdale, but like, but what goes <laughs> through your mind? Like I'm trying to rationalize it because I don't understand it, and that's where my mind takes me. Like if I'm gonna go fucking kick someone, I'm gonna go fucking kick someone. If you're going to be a hooligan, be a fucking hooligan. Yeah, don't fucking half-ass that shit. Yeah, I I mean, good on Ramsdale for, for not reacting, just walking out, getting out of there. Um, what I mean, I don't know what they want to do. Want, should you just leave the water bottle? I, I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. Um, but the memes going around of Arteta dragging him out and then seeing Jaka and being like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Jaka, you're going the wrong way, man. Don't walk over there. Ah, uh, man, the Jaka redemption arc is is really something to to uh to be thankful for because there's a point in time where I was ready for that man to be so gone and and now I'm I'm loving and it. And now you're going to get a jersey. I'm loving it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> loving it now. So, that's something that's something that everyone can be happy about. Um Yeah, so anyway, moving from that into into Hopefully, what will be the FA's response to that incident in terms of a, a hefty fine or something for not for Spurs not being able to control their fans? What do you make of of the two charges that we've gotten over the past? What was that since the new year? I, I it we're in first place. We're top of the table, so the FA is just trying to hand out fines like they're candy because they can't handle it. We're breaking the English FA by being good at 
football again. So, I mean, it's complete and utter nonsense, especially the one with Newcastle just about the getting up in the rough face. Every team of every Premier League game I've ever seen is up in the rough face. Manchester United, Manchester City, that game, horrendous calls in that as well. But the main problem, the part of the issue of why all these players are up in the ref's face are because the refs can't make good calls. Even with the help of video assistance referees, they are still fucking it up every week. And yet the FA decides to blame one team. I don't know. Doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't think Tottenham's going to be punished. Right. See, that's where, like, I think Richarlson can be punished. For his actions, I mean, shoving a, shoving your fingers in Ramsdale's face is not pleasant, um, especially when there's no antagonizing going on. It's not like Ramsdale's, you know, getting in his face either. He's literally pointing his bottle, being like, I'm going to get my bottle. Yeah, that's just disappointing. That's more dangerous than anything Arsenal did with any of these refs. But to, to your point, what do you expect players to do when, when, refs are just horrendous like i agree it happens every game i mean city whenever they're up top winning the past two years get every single call because what do they do but put pressure on the ref i mean that's become part of the game and i'm not trying to take away any of that or or give the refs any sort of leeway but i think part of the problem is like no one understands what what the rules are anymore. They're so vague, they're so unclear. Um, like no one knows what an actual handball is because it changes every week. Um, and the and like you said, the man Manchester derby is a prime example of that because, in my opinion, there's there's no way that goal should stand. He's he's offsides. Um, I know the rules got changed recently, and they have to touch the ball or prevent someone else from touching it. Uh, but my argument to that is who how do you how do you determine that when and I would probably have to watch it back again, but if Marcus Rashford isn't running onto that ball, who's to say that Ederson isn't out off his line and clearing it like he does as a sweeper keeper? But instead, he has to worry about Rashford beating him to it as Rashford runs alongside of it for six steps. So how is that not preventing someone else from touching it because he's worried that he's on sides and he's going to be able to take it around him? Like, I don't, I have no idea how that goal set. I mean, I, did they even give any sort of legitimate justification? I don't know that he didn't play the ball. That's it, I guess. But, I mean, I've seen pictures. You could argue Akanji could have ran straight to the ball if Rashford's not there instead of having to run through a player. There's pictures where they take Rashford out and you look at Ederson's positioning and he's angled towards Rashford, expecting him to play the ball. Probably doesn't even realize where Bruno Fernandes is. And how does that change if it's on the goal line? And it's a shot going past Rashford. That we've seen those called numerous times, or not called for Arsenal's purposes. But if they're interfering with the play in any way, and part of that rule is interfering with it on a shot, which we've seen it called, 
how is him taking six steps running alongside the ball right behind it when Bruno goes to shoot? Rashford's foot is in the air as well. Like, they if they changed that rule, they did it just to add more uh, subjectivity to the game. <laughs> like, that's ambiguity. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate that 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 is, I mean, it's a fortunate result, honestly, for Arsenal, but unfortunate that that even transpires. Um, and I was listening to TIFO, TIFO football podcast, uh, and the way they said it is, look, you can't tell me that Manchester United didn't benefit from having a player in an offside position on that seat. Like, there's no denying they benefited from Rashford's presence. And for that simple reason alone, it should be offside. It should be off. But who who knows what the rules are anymore, man? I'm done keeping up because the refs don't even know. Players don't. I'm know. also surprised that the flag doesn't go immediately up. Well, because... there, there's the thing. It did go up. They call. It, well, you're, you're right. You're right. That rule chains where you let them play out. Let it play out. If that flag goes up, it never happens. And Rashford's so far off sides to begin with. That. They changed that for VAR to not put the flag up, but it still happens all the time when it's very clear that a guy's off sides. Yeah. And he definitely made action. I, I just, I think it, the whole situation was just a little bit, the fuck's going on here? Home game for Manchester United. We've seen them benefit against us on shady calls. I just, it's just weird. Right. Poor officiating. Let's move on from the negatives and go straight in straight into the uh, topic of Mikhailo Mudrić. Oh, sweet! No more <laughs> negatives. Right? Yeah. Um. Obviously, crazy saga came to an end this weekend with him being unveiled as a Chelsea player after, as some would say, twerking for Arsenal. So, uh, let's just get your feelings on that. I mean, obviously, I've stated many times, not publicly, but to you, to Sam, that I was uh, I was really looking forward to him. I thought that he would have made a, made a really, really positive impact. Uh, so dynamic. And and to miss out to, to Chelsea of all teams is quite infuriating. Yeah, I, I was excited about the prospect of him as well. I think he's a good player. I think he was a little unproven. But I thought his attitude with our squad and with our coach could really develop into a special player. So I wanted him as well, but I have, as you said, we've talked, and I thought the money involved was getting kind of sketch anyway. That's a lot of money. And I know Chelsea's broken the market, um, which they do again in this saga, but he hasn't done that much. He has a handful of Champions League appearances and goals. Other than that, he's it's Ukrainian League. And it's not like he has been the best player in the Ukrainian League for four years or something. And you're like, wow, this guy's sustained it. He really is a baller. What he has produced and played at in the Ukrainian League is not 100 million pound player or whatever, 100 million dollar player. It's just not. So I was getting worried about the price. It's not my money, whatever, whatever, whatever. I just didn't want it to F up any other plans that we have. So at the end of the day, Chelsea come in, steal the guy, 
whatever, man. I don't even know what to say about Chelsea anymore. They're just they're ruining it for Arsenal, but also for a lot of the transfer market because they're just pricing players. Now anyone that we want that's a winger is going to be like, we value him more than Mudrik. That's $100 million. Every player is not a $100 million player. That is not a thing. Um, I'm, I got two things. One, you're right. The money got absurd, man. I was down for it when it was like 70, 75, 80. Um, $100 million, like that's top five transfer fees in the Premier League all time. And that's like number three. Brentford was close to him at 25 mil in the summer. Yeah, yeah and so was Leverkusen at like 35. So I don't, yeah, I don't understand that. Obviously, it's exacerbated by the war in Ukraine. Um, but the, the, it's just weird what's going on there. Like they're donating 20 million of it to, to the war effort. I mean, which is obviously it's, that's cool. That's, you know, but yeah, I think that's something you just like, okay, we're going to stay, we're going to stay away from this. Um, just sketchy, 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 sketchy. They knew Chelsea were involved. And so they knew they were going to get their money. Yeah. Like, even if it seemed like Arsenal had it because we hadn't heard anything from Chelsea, it's because Chelsea only needs eight hours to negotiate. How much do you want? Okay, well, we got to see if that will all clear in the next seven hours. Yeah. So that's, that's all they have to do. So should they? I, I heard that Chelsea had contact in, like, November like we did, and then they just kind of left it alone. And then they knew what the price was going to be. They waited until we were somewhat close, and, no, okay, we'll do it. It's insane. So that's why they held out. Well, one, going back to... Uh... To what you're talking about with any team we're going to buy or any player we're going to buy, they're going to be like, we value him as Mudrik. Saka and Martinelli have to be like $200 million players right now. I mean, they have to be. They, they have to. If he is $100 million, having minimal international and Champions League, well, Saka and Martinelli don't really have Champions League experience, but like top level experience, and he's $100 million, dude. Saka's got to be like 250. Like, has to be. It's, yeah. it's absurd. Absurd the amount of money that, that's going there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a shame, but I don't think, I don't want to say we dodged a bullet because who knows, only time will tell. But as Andrew said on our cast today, I don't know if I've ever been more invested in a player flopping than, than I am with Mikhailo Mudrik. And it's not, necessarily because of him per se it's just because of how everything went down um i mean poor bastard you could see you know on the pictures and stuff he he's not really smiling he's just kind of holding it i don't think he's like posted anything about it as at since it's happened um i feel like it's one of those where it's like well i really want to go to arsenal but the money and i want to help Shakhtar out and can I really, you know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, yeah, I agree. And you know, it is what it is. I don't, I don't want him to fail because of the player. I just want him to fail because of the circumstance. Right. Like, I really thought he could be a really good player, but there's no chance I want that at this point. I hope <laughs> he's out for the Ukraine. That's it. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe he sucks for three years and he's 24, and then that's one of those guys that we pip off Chelsea for 
pennies on the dollar. Yeah, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to ever be doing that anymore after our last two experiences with it. I agree, but no, you're right. And eight. I mean, and it's hard to blame the player. I mean, eight and a half year deal. I mean, at, at I don't know the wages. Obviously, they're going to be better than what he was making in the Ukraine. Um, that's probably a hard thing to turn down to. I mean, that's financial security for eight years. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have to worry about anything except for going and playing. And if he oh. balls, he'll get a new contract in that time. Yeah, yeah. Or he'll be like, sell me. I'll hope for it. He can force his way out. Oh. Crazy. Can't believe that Chelsea need any more attackers, but yeah. Wow. Um. Anyway, I know we're still in the, the kind of like, I don't want to say grieving or mourning stage, but kind of like the, the shock stage where no real alternatives have popped up. Um, although I see today, Musa Diaby's, we've kind of made initiated some contact. That'll be a record-breaking transfer probably if it were to go through. They said um, it's $100 million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the standard now. He's, yeah. They value him more than Mudrik. Yeah, yeah. Which, to be fair, Musa Diaby has, you know, top-flight experience for, for quite a few years now, so... Yeah, how do you, do you like the player? Do you think that's a good fit? Um, I think he's good. I think he fits the the type that we're looking for. He's a good dribbler, which cutting in from the right side, he'd be a good Sokka backup. I don't know his versatility for other positions very well, but he would be good on Sokka's side for sure. It's just how much. I mean, his age profile's good, but... That's not a deal. I think it gets done in January. Um, yeah. If it's gonna, if you're gonna pay a substantial amount, which I still don't like, I don't know how you value him. Like, I wouldn't pay more than like forty five, but he's gonna go for if he does, probably seventy. I don't know. I have no idea what values are, but I do like the player, and I think he could be a good player for us. Do you think that we need a forward in this in this window? Yes. I would rather it be alone. But how practical is that? Maybe Trossard now? His situation seems up in the air. But he's a free agent, so they're not going to... Yeah, they want that permanently gone. Yeah, but, what well, I mean... Knowing the situation, what, what how ground much can do you have ask? to stand on? Yeah, yeah. what ground you could, just force him out of your team? Could you could you look at maybe ten mil for him and a year and a half, two year contract or something? I don't I don't know if that's realistic, but I think that from what I'm reading, Brighton wants twenty, thirty, thirty five. Yeah, right. Yeah, Beckett's making the wink wink sign for those who you can't see, which is everyone. Um. Yeah, I think we need one as well. Broussard isn't even the player from Brighton. I would, I would want as we talked about, or as I mentioned earlier, the Matoma looks looks really nice. Um, yeah. Also fits good dribbler, um, clean, clean, calm on the ball. That's probably pushing sixty though. No. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Trossard is he's the available one. He yeah. could play all three. He's technical enough. He doesn't. I think his pace is a little bit of an issue, but if you're technical, the way we control the ball, you could, he'll be fine. 
I just, right. yeah, I agree. Brighton's a, another team you'd have to hassle with for anything. Right. They they get they know how to get their money for their players. They did it with Basuma. I mean, they've done it with everyone. Even Malpai. They did it with their coach. Like I yeah, yeah. for him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, some other names have floated around. Depay was floated around, but he seems set to go to Atletico Madrid. Um, Ferran Torres I've seen, but he doesn't seem very keen to leave Barcelona. Rafinha, same scenario. I would way prefer Ferran Torres to Rafinha. I wonder if you could loan like Ferran Torres from Barcelona. I mean, even six months without his contract, they're deep in financial need. You give him a few million. I'd be okay up to five, maybe. That's yeah. steep, but you've lost out on your top transfer targets. You can't really nickel and dime an emergency player. If you're willing to get a loan for someone, look at where yeah, we're I at. Think you that, gotta. I think that, I don't want to say we need it, but <laughs> we might need it in two, three, four weeks if someone takes a knock. Um, I mean, obviously, Arteta doesn't fully trust Marquinhos yet um, in the Premier League. Reese Nelson hasn't done too bad, but, I mean, there's a knock right there for you, and we yeah. haven't seen much of him since that. You've got, like, 25, possibly 30 games left. We're halfway through the Premier League season. You're still in the FA Cup. You've got Europa League. You're hoping you go all the way to the final in that. So, I mean, you've got almost 30 games. Uh, Saka's played all the World Cup, too. I mean, that's only like five games, six games for him. But still, it's there's a lot of games left to be played where you're going in with three fit wingers, really, that you trust. Right. Another one, and I don't want to forget about him, but another player that is available for for free would be Balogun. He's done exceptionally well in, in Ligon so far. I don't want to recall him. I would hate to pull him out of a place where he's starting at you know, week in, week out, and performing. Um, but would that be a better fit than than maybe spending twenty thirty on on someone now that is kind of just a placeholder? I think he is your last day of the window emergency situation. Um and I I mean maybe we have t- talked to his club about that a little bit, but I think the op- if it's up to them, they want him to stay. He's just building value right now, whether it's for this team or for transfer. Um, you don't know what someone could offer at the <laughs> once the summer market opens. But I, I think he's literally your emergency if you don't get anyone else. Because um, he can play probably at least two of that front three as a backup. And definitely he could be a backup until Jesus is back for a striker too. So he would definitely be an option that would be good to have if we don't have anyone else. But he's right. I was, uh, I, w- I was thinking about that as well. And like you say, potential to have 25 plus games left, certainly opportunities there for him. Um, whether it's an FA Cup or you know, uh, 
Europa League. Um, certainly some time to get get in the team and get some minutes, but I think it's hard to take a player who you just convinced to re-sign with you on the basis that you're going to give him chances in the top flight um, to pull those, pull those chances right away from from when he's obviously in a good rhythm. He's good fit for the team. Um, yeah, but I would imagine he's also probably chomping at the bit, thinking about I could, you know, step into this Arsenal team and really play a part in a in a campaign that that wins some some trophies. So, so we'll see we'll see who emerges as target. Um, another midfielder as well too, which we don't want to forget about is Charlie Patino. He seems to be progressing really well at Blackpool too, which is exciting because we forget about about some of those we always oh we need a midfielder we need a midfield signing um i mean we can't forget about about him down there i mean he's he's really performed well when he was with the first team and and is still performing well now so hopefully that continues to develop um and not to mention as well i think that one getting gabriel jesus back will be like a, a fresh signing because we'll have gone so long without him uh, but also getting Emil Smith Rowe back fit and ready to go will be I mean that's like a, having a thirty million dollar signing walk right into the team too. Except he doesn't have to transition into it. He's already been a part of it. Um, yeah. which, which will be really nice to see him back and fully fit and at him. Uh, which he got some minutes in the other day. So it looks like it could be sooner rather than later, which is really, really good. Yeah. I yeah, I just I think I think we'll be all right. We just need like one more attacker, and however you get him in, you get him in, whether that's Balogun or someone else. So, are you worried about the age profile per se in this window, or would would you be more worried about the age profile or the money spent? Because you're not getting anything cheap for any of the the young players we're looking at. Yeah. Um... I think you only go age profile if they're like actually in your plans. Uh, if you can get someone you think that can just fill the role for the time, then I don't think you worry about age too much. Um, Do you think we I don't, need I don't a, know who an that experienced is. head in into the team? Like, do, do, I, think do I think would, we need it? Not necessarily need it, but do you think that would be more beneficial? Would you rather have, or would you rather have the young, eager? eager kid or do you think having someone with some some top flight winning mentality coming into the dresser would be beneficial um probably probably they probably need to have some experience because what are you buying them for you're buying them to be able to fill a role if your main guy is hurt and if they're a pro too much of a project player that doesn't fit your system perfectly yet then how, like how does that fit your system if you lose Saka? Diaby he's a project player but he's also a guy who is doing it in Bundesliga it's not the same faster pace but what is he really good at he's really good at receiving the ball out wide beating his guy inside Working and across too. oh doing creating from inside Saka stays out wide stays out wide stays out wide Ben White or Odegaard play him when he cuts inside. 
he can also take guys on once he gets the ball out wide. I think those are similar enough players where you don't need to worry about experience in like our league. But there are like you you're not you don't want to bring in someone who's basically another Marquinhos. That, well, right. that doesn't solve any purpose. If we had Reese Nelson, I would also feel a lot more comfortable than I do. Not that Reese Nelson is necessarily like Diaby's level, but he has the experience with our team and with some other loans that he's had where I'd be more comfortable. Right. Um, all right. Last, last transfer talk before I've, I've seen it today. Muted around a little bit. Um, just want to get your thoughts on the ever connected Wilfred Zaha as he is out of contract at the end of the summer or at the end of the year in the summer. Um, there's an experience head for you. Uh, Obviously knows the Premier League. Um, what would you think about about something there? Boy, that's going to cost even for a short term, because Crystal Palace is they're like thirteenth or something. What is it? They're twelfth, and they are seven points above the rele- relegation zone, and that they just want to lose their best player that they have, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, so that would be an extremely tricky situation, and you'd probably have to pay them like 15 mil. And even then, that might not do it because they want to stay up. If 15 mil got them uh, Connor Gallagher, I think that <laughs> they'd be all about it. They'd yeah. go, oh, let's do it. We'll loan Reese Nelson from you, and we'll get Connor Gallagher, and you can have Zaha. Then they might agree to it, but I don't think they're in a position to let go. I don't know off the top of my head, but I would assume their top goal scorer and probably their best player. Right, right. I would give Michael Lise a shout. I think he he's up and coming. He's gonna be their best player um, sooner rather than later. But yeah, I I'm not. I don't know if I'm really big on it either, especially uh, especially if it was in the summer. I know we've been linked with him forever, but I'm not sure how well he fits into the the whole scheme of things going forward. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't see him as a as an Arteta system player per se. Yeah, he's not going to be a a pressing maniac as his legs are turning 31 either. Yeah. Well, I suppose we can only wait and see. Hopefully, we'll have some. Better updates on that front for you next week after, uh, let's say, what? Flip the script, 3-1 victory against Man U. At home, baby. Give it to me all day. We'll take it. All right, well, if if you don't have anything left, I think that about does it. So thanks for sticking with us, guys. Again, we're, we're back. Officially, this time, we're going to keep the content rolling weekly. So, we will see you next week. What do we think of Tottenham? Shit! What do we think of shit? Tottenham! Thanks for listening, everyone.